In just a few weeks, people are going to start thinking about their New Year's resolutions. You know this. And many of them are going to relate to exercise. That's typically the way this works. Something related to exercise, some big goal you might create for yourself and see if you can hit it this year. Well, you know, just browsing the internet on how to make that happen, I came across an article. Let me just read you the front of the article. If there were a way to double your chances for fitness success, would you be interested? How about a technique to make exercise more fun, a tool that would automatically create space and time in your busy schedule for workouts, a proven way to help you out of a rut or through a plateau. That sounds appealing, doesn't it? Like, I'm on board. I'm ready for this. It may all sound too good to be true, the author says here, but countless fitness seekers have found that the right workout buddy, the right workout buddy, can do all that and more. In my 10 years of experience evaluating what creates a long-term health and fitness success, the, most, the single most important factor, factor is having a support system, says Wayne Anderson, co-founder of a nationwide health and lifestyle coaching program based in Maryland. Exercise partners provide a powerful combination of support, accountability, motivation, and in some cases, healthy competition. Michelle Maidenberg, who consults on wellness coaching strategies, finds, says that finding the right workout partner dramatically increases your chances of success. A buddy can motivate you to do one more set, continue when you feel like you have just had enough and want to give up, or when you're feeling hopeless. The need for interpersonal support is primal, says Anderson. Here's a key Key point, we are social animals, this person says. Now, I think we're more than animals, but get the social piece. We are social animals. We seek company and positive reinforcement of others, especially when we are doing work. Now, this right here, the front of this article, summarizes where we're going in our last lesson on giving we have been in a three-week series called Lessons in Giving, and we've taken a, a quick stop from our journey through the Gospel of Mark to say a few things about giving, like financial giving, and what it may have to do with our real lives and following Jesus, what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus and how that relates to our money. And this article, as it relates to a workout buddy, a support system, accountability, has a lot to do with what Paul has to say in his, in his instructions, in his second letter to the Corinthians, remember, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 has been our guide along the way. And we've been taking some lessons along the way from, from Paul as he writes to this church. And today, he has a lot to say about accountability, a support system, a way of getting us to that place in giving that is going to make all the difference. So we pick up, we pick up at the beginning of Paul's instructions to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to pick up verses 1 through 7. We're going to take an excerpt out of that front part. This is where he begins his teaching. We want to start there. Take a look. Here's what Paul writes. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of, very, of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And they exceeded our expectations 
They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had been earlier, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So right here in these front verses, as we begin, as we begin lessons in giving, we find our three lessons coming together just in these verses. And so we see Paul start right from the beginning talking about grace. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, we said that grace is the thing that fuels our giving. It's the thing that motivates generosity. We said it this way because typically we think about grace as just a thing that has to do with salvation. We kind of took that and moved it. We stretched that thread farther than we typically think. And we said it this way, if you remember two weeks ago. We said we are saved by grace and we become financially generous by grace too. And so God's grace is welling up generosity. And then Paul takes that theme and he talks about the, the Macedonian churches being full of grace and giving, giving so much they gave even beyond their ability. And now he's calling the Corinthians to do the same thing. And so we had a lot to say about the nature of rules and laws and what all that looks like when we're in relationship with Jesus and how that relates to your money and when you give money. And we said this, we, we kind of took all of that and we spun it this way. We said, Paul doesn't limit their giving to 10%. He doesn't even use the word tithe. Rather, he calls them, he calls these Corinthians to give as much as they are able and even beyond their ability. And so that's kind of where we were. That's kind of where we left off last week in that second lesson in giving. But you can have all the grace in the world. You can have all of God's grace running through your veins, moving through your soul, and you can be giving beyond your ability. You can at least have the desire to do that. If you don't get this third lesson, you may miss all of it. That third lesson we're seeing pulled out of these verses is that generosity needs accountability. We see that? Let's put that slide up. Generosity needs accountability. You see, you can have all the grace in the world, and you can have all the motivation in the world to give, and all the desire in the world, but you're going to need accountability to come alongside you. You're going to need a support system. Now, Paul is, has this in mind because of Titus. Remember what he says about Titus. He says, I'm sending Titus to you. Take a look, verse 6. Just take a quick review. We just read it, but I want you now to have it in context. He says, as we urged Titus, this is not a metaphor. This is a real person. Titus, we urged Titus. As he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, so see that you also excel in this grace of giving. These Corinthians had the best of intentions. They wanted to give, and they wanted to give a lot. God's grace, this grace of giving, grace had been working in the Corinthians, and, and they had committed massive amounts of money that would go to Jerusalem to help God's people in that city, these fellow Christians. And yet, to make it happen, to make sure God's grace welled up and the money actually came in, he sent accountability. He sent a person to make sure it could happen. Now, this is such an important theme for Paul that if you take all of these verses that he's going to write in chapters 8 and 9, you're going to see this is the prominent theme in these two chapters. Take a look at what he goes on to say in verses 10 and 11. Take a look. 
He keeps, he keeps this theme running. And so here he says, 2 Corinthians 8, not, uh, 10 and 11, he says, and here is my judgment about what is best. What is best for you in this matter? Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Ah, oh, Corinthians, you were the first. Like, you won the trophy. You were the first to want it, and your eagerness excelled everyone else. But now, I need you to finish what you said you would do. And so I'm sending you a support system. I'm sending in the troops of accountability to make sure that you do what you said you were going to do. All that grace, all the eagerness, all the giving beyond 10%, I need to now get you some accountability. I need to put a buddy alongside you. Now what's interesting is that this is so important, he's going to continue this into the last part of chapter 8. And what we're going to see is that Paul doesn't just send one person. We're going to see at least three people mentioned in the support system. Take a look what happens when we pick up with verse 16. So we're still in chapter 8, but now we pick up with verse 16. You check it out. See if my math is correct. I'm counting three people in the mix here in the support system. Verse 16. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous. And, and now even more so, because he is of great confidence, he has, uh, because of his great confidence in you. Therefore, show these men the proof, show them the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. It's one thing to talk a big game. Now Paul's sending in a troop of support, the troops of support, to make sure that they finish it. Three people here. We've got three people at least on this accountability mission to the Corinthians. Because, ah, grace is flowing through their veins. It's moving through their community. And my, they have eagerness. So much so, they were the first to declare their desire. But Paul knows that great intentions have a way of dying over time. And so here comes the support system. Here comes people, real people, in flesh, to come among them to keep them accountable to what they said they would do. Because in the Christian life, we need accountability. And generosity needs it more than anything else. Because we love it in the moment to declare big goals, big plans to be generous. But we so often lose those plans. And they fall away, just like many of our goals. And so Paul sends in those troops. Now, one thing we need to realize is that their reputation is on the line too. Now, this isn't Paul giving them a guilt, chip or some, a guilt trip or some scare tactic. But there's a little social pressure here, some peer pressure being applied. And, and, and it's being given in good measure. Take a look at what he does as he pulls that thread out of verse 8, and he's going to spin it into, ver, into chapter 9. So he just doesn't leave all of this in chapter 8. He's going to pull this all the way into chapter 9. That's how important this is. Take a look at what he says here, chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. He says... For if 
any Macedonians, this is a whole other group of Christians in another region, if any Macedonians come with me and they find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers, those brothers we just read about, those brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as, a grud- as one grudgingly given. Mm. What Paul understands about giving is that it is never just a private act, right? So if I had to take this and put it into a summary about what I think giving is as it relates to public and private, I would say it this way. Giving is not just a private act, it's also a communal one. It's about me, God, and and us as a church family. Paul Paul gets to the point where he's saying, hey, if you don't do what you said, you're going to be embarrassed. It's going to embarrass us, it's going to embarrass you. You want to make sure everyone, everyone understands that you keep your word. You see, giving is not just about me and God. It's not just about the individual and God, and we need to make sure that everything is secret, keep it airtight so no one else knows about it. This is not how the early church functioned. That is more to do with our context in the United States and our desire for privacy and freedom than it is having to do with Jesus and the church. Giving is a communal act. And it's not one that we do so that we can brag on ourselves how generous we are. It's one in which we can encourage one another to give even more. This wasn't just a contest to see who could give more. It was a way of spurring one another on. And therefore, it was in community. And Paul takes that point then, and he's going to drive that point all the way to the finish line in chapter 9. So that's how he's going to end this section on giving. He's going to take this, and he's going to drive it. To the end. He's going to get this really, we might say, across the finish line in this section on giving. Take a look at how he does this, verses 12 through 16, end of chapter 9. Here's how he, he closes. This service, now this service refers to the collection, the giving, the gener- generous gift. This service that you perform is not only supplying needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let me just take that and make that an image. Just take those verses and just like, if I had to boil it down to a little formula, like like just an image, I would say it this way. It is grace, it is grace in them, that is grace working in them, spilling over them in generosity to other people. And then, once it hits other people, guess what comes out of them? Gratitude. Thanksgiving. And you see how this this is just a cycle that moves in the life of God's people. God's grace moves in a community. Generosity overflows to other people. And then when it hits, that generosity hits their lives, out of them grows thanksgiving. And it just keeps going that way like a flywheel. And it just overtakes the world one day. 
That's what Paul has in mind. This is the image. And you know what happens when grace is moving in us and then generosity is spilling to others and out of other people comes gratitude? You know what starts to emerge? Stories. Stories. Stories of God working in our lives as we are generous and then in the lives of others that have received the generosity. I'm going to just take that and put it in a paragraph so some of you who, want to, who are visual learners can see it rather than me just say it. Here's how I want to say all of that in a paragraph. When generosity increases, stories of giving emerge. People start sharing their stories about how they were blessed by being generous and how they were blessed by others' generosity. And all of this leads to greater faith and thanksgiving to God. That's how this works. So this is happening, this is happening even among our church family. So next week, for members here at East 10th, we will have a congregational meeting, and we'll vote on not only church leadership, but also the church budget. And so that church budget is available out in the lobby. There are no secrets of where money is going and how it's being spent. And you're going to see on this budget, this budget, where things are going. And you're going to see just this transparent view of how money is spent. And this money comes from you and me. Like, this doesn't just magically appear. We're not getting a check from the government that funds this thing. This is coming from us being generous because we got bills to pay as a church family. And you'll notice at the bottom of this budget that if you took just what we have to, if you, if you considered what we have to have to operate, and let's be honest, my salary is part of what it takes to operate. So I have a vested interest in you giving. So you may be thinking this, I'm just being honest, because all of you can see my salary at the top of the budget, okay? So no secret here. And we are very grateful as a family for it. But I want you to know if you took into consideration everything it takes to operate, out of that comes a percentage. So if you took, if you took all of that, and you took then how much do we want to then give of that number, it would be 22.74% we then give of our operating budget out, and we give it away. That's generosity. Now, if you just take the whole budget, that is, every dollar that comes in that we're going to then spend according to the budget, missions being part of it, that is, our generous wing, we give away 18.52% to other people to help. No strings attached. We're not getting anything back on that. It's not like we're investing in the stock market and getting something for it. 18.52. You can see, even as a church, we're thinking well beyond a 10% tithe. 18.52. And I think that number will get higher as we grow and as, as we continue to see the needs where we can be generous. So, when you, think about, when you think about generosity, think about it not just with you. Think about it as a church family. We are giving away 18.52% to go out and help. And that money is going out to help people in need. And you know what's starting to happen? Because I know it's grace working in you. It's grace working in my life. And I know that that generosity is hitting people. It's hitting the lives of those we're helping. Be it an educational institution, maybe a missionary, or maybe just someone in the dollar club that needed help. Just last week, we received a letter from Patricia Squire, someone we helped in the Dollar Club. And she sent us a thank you note. And so many people send us thank you notes from the Dollar Club. And she just simply writes, words can't begin to explain how grateful I am from each and every one of you. I want to thank you so much, so much.
You see gratitude spilling out. Because of the grace working in your life, you gave. And then out of your giving, that generosity hit Patricia Squire. And Patricia Squire then had gratitude spill out of her life. Isn't that wonderful? You know, many of you not only give money, like, I mean, you write checks, you give online, you put cash in the offering plate. Many of you are also giving by bringing cans of food or ramen noodle packets into this building so they can go from our food pantry to Challenger Middle School. You see, and that's a way of grace working in you and then generosity flying out of us, hitting the lives of other people, and then from their lives spill out gratitude. See, this week we received some thank you notes from some of the kids at Challoner, some of those students. And there were more than this, but I just picked a few. If you're on our Instagram, by the way, I'm going to post a few pictures of this. If you're not on Instagram, don't worry. We're going to make sure these are posted right on the bulletin board so you're not going to miss out. Uh, But if you're on Instagram, you make sure to like these, okay? You make sure to like these and tell your friends about it. All right, there's my plug. Let's continue. Um, Let me just read you a few of these in their handwriting. We need you you to remember that. Thanks for all giving the giving back you do. And then they said, happy Thanksgiving. Have a blessed day. You are the good in the world heart. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Here's another one. Thank you. We can't do anything without you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the cans of food. Thank you for helping Challoner Middle School. And we are happy that you are helping Challoner Middle School. And thank you so much for helping. I truly thank you much. Right there in their own handwriting. And then one more. I'll just do one more. Thank you for the bags of food. Without you, kids would be hungry. So thankful for you forever, smiley face. And so what happened, what happened, what's happening here is grace is working in you, generosity is spilling out, and now gratitude is overflowing. And that has a way of spilling into a community. Now, you don't get Challenger Middle School cards. You don't get students writing these without having a Titus or a Paul in your life helping keep you accountable. We're going to need each other to make sure stuff like this keeps happening. Because left to our own devices, we will default to selfishness. We may start with the best intentions, but at some point, we will falter. That's why we need each other. You don't get this gratitude, you don't get the generosity without someone helping hold you accountable. And so I want to take that into our application. So let's take that into our application as we kind of bring this all to a close. Application here, do you see giving back to God as primarily a private act? If you do, if you see it as a private act, you may have a really hard time with someone standing on stage telling you you have to give or be generous. If it's a private act, if this is just about you and Jesus, then I'm making you a bit uncomfortable. But if this is about us, this is about us, then this is something different. So let's take that question. If you think it's a private act, let's just, get it, let's just get it down to where your emotions might be. Take a look at this question. How do you feel, like literally, 
how you feel right now. How do you feel when you think about someone holding you accountable to generosity? Don't want, don't want, that, don't want anyone doing that? What's, what's it there? What, what business do they have with what I give, right? It's between me and Jesus. What rights do they have to tell me what to do? We've got all kinds of ways of talking about this and pushing people away so they don't hold us accountable. Ah, but this is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Paul. Paul made sure a Titus showed up because they needed accountability. And I'm sure some of them didn't like it, but they needed it to keep growing in grace. Let's take a look. One last question here. Who is your Titus who is keeping you accountable? Let's just, just think about that. I know because, because I'm married, and not everyone's married, Tess and I can be a Titus for each other. We, we can help one another hold each other accountable. And we got friends in our lives that know we give. And it just so happens because of my position here, you will hold me accountable. Because I can never come up here and do a giving series telling you to give unless my family is sacrificing and giving. just happens to be the way this works. You serve as an accountability for us. And that's a really good thing. Even when we have a new van payment because of an accident and we don't feel like we have money to give anymore, you serve as a great accountability for us. And we're really grateful for that. But you're going to need a Titus. You're going to need someone in your life to hold you accountable. So let's take that to a next step. Let's just get that right down to today. Commit to give. Now, hold on. Before I step into the next step, uh, Anyone that's handing out commitment cards, which would be you. I won't put your name on the podcast. I need you and you, please. Never mind. I need you and you. Okay. Uh, Always to remain a mystery in the virtual world. Here it is. Here's the next step. Commit to give. Tell a friend about it. That You know that's the key right here, right? Commit to give is not the big deal. It's tell a friend about it. And watch your generosity grow. Now listen, some of you may come to me and say, ah, but this is, this is opportunity for bragging. This is opportunity. We need to hold our cards close to the chest. We don't need to tell anyone what we're giving. Well, that's gonna be, that's gonna, that's, that is going to be a hard issue. That, that's a hard issue there. Paul does not shy away from talking about giving publicly. Now, if you are giving large amounts so that you can tell your friend how big a giver you are, well, that's where you need to check your heart. And I can't do that in a message that is public where there's a variety of people in the room. I can't check your heart. But you know if you're giving just so you can brag about how much you give. If that's why you're giving, then we need to get back to square one at grace. But the telling a friend is a way of staying accountable. And so you commit to give, you tell a friend... And then watch generosity go grow. Because you may be just fine for the first three months, maybe four or five months, maybe a year, but at some point you're going to need someone to help keep you accountable. It's just the same way you learn to run a marathon or a half marathon or get to your first mile. You need someone alongside you. You need some accountability. And so you're going to need a Titus. Now, let me, get this, let me make this very practical for us here at East 10th Street. This doesn't apply to anyone that might hear this message outside of our church family. There's a commitment card you've just been handed. And on that commitment card, you have, you have a place to declare what you will give. Now, I'm going to tell you that Tess and I are filling out this card, and we're putting 10%, and we give that monthly. Now, it depends on our income and what that looks like and what, what, 
you know, what the year looks like, what that 10% looks like. So we don't put a dollar amount. We're not on fixed income right now. We have some, some margin. Um, but some of you are on fixed income, so maybe a dollar amount's what you need to put. Now listen, this is, this is in no way, I'm not running you through a guilt trip. If you're not comfortable filling this out today, then you take your time with this. You and Jesus, and maybe just a friend who follows the way of Jesus, can work through this card. And maybe, maybe, you, this year you give that card to that trusted friend because you're not, you're not there yet with this church because you're not sure if this is your family. I get that. Like, again, we want to have a lot of flexibility in the kingdom of God as we are walking the way of Jesus. Now, this is giving to this church family. I think that's important. Like, think of it in those terms. Generosity is well beyond East 10th. I hope you've heard me say that throughout these three messages. But at this point, I want you to think about what you would give here. I want you to think about what you would give here. And so Tess and I are filling one of these out, and you at any point can ask us if we're keeping that. Because I am accountable to you. My life is important for you. And so I want to make sure, even with all my falls that we are walking the way of Jesus as a family, and I am, in, I am personally. And so my life is wed to your life in that way. And so fill this card out, and if you even do it during this service, you then put it in the black box in the lobby, you can put it in the offering plate, or you can put it in the hand of your elder. If you're a member, you have an elder that's helping shepherd you, you can just go put it in your elder's hand. Now I promise you that we are not putting any of these on social media. We're not bragging about anyone here. Even if you're giving $10 a month, and that's the first time you've ever committed to giving regularly. What a great step. Remember, start where you are, not where you think you should be right now. And watch, and watch your generosity grow, watch your faith grow, and watch Thanksgiving overflow. But let it not be an option to do nothing. You cannot, you cannot grow and do nothing. And so this is the next step you can take. And it's concrete, it's practical, and it may make you feel uncomfortable. But sometimes growing pains are a really good thing. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your grace that has welled up generosity in this church. We just pray blessings over all of our Dollar Club recipients, all of the schools, all the missionaries, all the local men and women and youth that we are able to give to because of the generosity out of this, this church family. I pray that anyone that's filling out a card and taking a step to commit publicly, like that is, at least someone would see it, that you just have a lot of mercy and you just guide them as they make that step. And for those that are making some type of commitment in this way for the first time, would you just show off for them and just help grow their faith? And in all of this, we want to give you thanks especially as we're coming into this season of, of thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you for your indescribable gift of Jesus. And all of this we pray under the banner, authority, of not only Savior, Lord, King of Kings, we pray it under the authority of our friend Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Anointed One. And together we say, Amen.